The scripture for today uh, comes from Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. And I'll be reading from the NIV. Uh, again, Philippians 2, 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act accordingly to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I don't know how many of you were here last week for the sermon, but I'd just like to sum up the sermon today by saying, ditto. So if you heard last week's sermon, or are going to, uh, amen, that's the end, we're done. I really thought you would applaud if I would have just walked off. We talked last week in the section of the Lord's Prayer, the petition they call, Thy Kingdom Come. And that was the focus. We made some reference, but Thy Kingdom Come is, uh, is, is the idea that, that the, God's intention would come into the world. But the first thing I would just say is, God's kingdom can't come until his will is done. God's kingdom won't come until we do God's will. God's kingdom can't come through us until God's will is demonstrated in us. There's this verse that, that Doug read, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now that's something to reflect on. And you may be reflecting on that for, for a while, but I, and I think we should. To think about what does it mean that God works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, something that we, we want to continue to focus on. God's will for our lives in that phrase does mean that there is a reason and there is a purpose. And we need to hold that right up front. So if you're interested in knowing God's plan for your life, then you have to, to learn to walk with God. You need to develop a relationship with him. And so that relationship doesn't happen until we align ourselves. 
Now, something has changed. I won't spend time telling you all of the ways in which I have demonstrated how to not be in alignment. Uh, I can remember one time walking with a whole tray of glasses that uh, we were going to do a root beer tasting party with the MYF in our basement. And of course, my vision did not align correctly with the fact that there was one more step. I missed that step and this whole tray of glasses went flying down onto the floor and everybody's looking going, are you okay, are you okay? Well, yeah, I was fine physically, you know. Not so much up here. You know, it's, uh, it's embarrassing. Um, I can remember the first number of weeks after um, the surgery in which I lost vision in my left eye. And I would be going to get food at the table to put it on my plate. And the kids would yell, Dad, you're not over the plate. And I would, and did sometimes, dump it down. And then the other thing is, after so long, they started to take my glass and move it away from me at every meal because I would bump it. It's that inability to actually see clearly, to be able to judge distance, to be able to assess in, in the world and in life the things that we need to have an accurate view of if we're going to be able to be effective. And... And so it's an adjustment, and one has to be especially careful, um, you know, that, that you pay attention to, that you are more careful. And so um, when I'm driving, if you wave to me and I'm just rude and don't wave, it's because I'm not looking at you. I refuse to look at you. I hope you understand that's a good thing, because if, I, if I'm looking at you, I'm probably going to run off the road. Uh, you know, you stay focused, learning to stay focused. And that's the problem that we all have. We all have this problem. We all can say, yeah, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. And we can even say, Lord, show me your will. And, and I want to live that will. But if there isn't a clarity of, uh, of focus in our lives to be able to say, that's what I want my life to most be about is doing God's will, then we're probably going to hit something. And it's probably not going to be the mark of God spiritually. Uh, George Mueller, who lived in the 19th century, um, uh, is a good person to consider when we're answering uh, the question of, about God's will. He followed steps sincerely and patiently and sought to know the will of God by teaching by the teaching of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. He said this. He said, I was always directed rightly. But when I, he was not up front with God, was impatient or favored listening to the advice of his friends, he said candidly, I made great mistakes. When there isn't an alignment, we make mistakes. So the first thing that we, I mentioned already, for the kingdom to come God's, and God's will to be done on earth, we are the ones that need to bring this into alignment. And for God's will to be done, we have to first of all address the battle of the will. That's the toughest part. 
If you have ever coached, you know that there are players who have tremendous skill. They just have a hard time listening. That ability to be coached, the ability to be directed, is, is a battle sometimes. And where you, you're getting pushed to do something that's not comfortable. We're getting pushed to get out of our comfort zones. To say a word of encouragement to somebody that we're sitting beside. Or, or th that we have an opportunity to, to give an encouragement to them. To miss those opportunities. We're, we are called to come back to what not what's comfortable. But what we're called to. Throughout the Bible, you have examples of people who are obedient to God and praying for the Lord's will to be carried out. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are about to be put into a fiery furnace for refusing uh, to, to bow down to the gods of King Nebuchadnezzar. When they said this, in effect, we pray for God to save us, but if not, may his will be done. See, there is this point of acknowledging this is what we would like. This is what we want. There's nothing wrong with that. It's never wrong for us to say, God, you know what my, my heart's desire is. But what they did was they went beyond that and said, but your will be done. Even if you will not rescue us or save us, we still will pray for your will to be done. We turn our lives over to you. It was an amazing, an amazing testimony. It's one of the most powerful stories of all of scripture. And then you have Jonah, who it, it took him getting swallowed by a whale uh, till he finally was able to come to the conclusion, thy will be done. And in the end, he did follow God's will. And perhaps the most famous example, of course, is Jesus, who asked, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass, but your will be done. Turning it over. So the problem is that we tend to think that if there's something that we want or we like or that appeals to us, well, then God's got to be against it. And that's not the point. What we are really looking for is a sense of inner peace and a sense of, uh, of right relationship. And that doesn't come till we overcome our will and allow God's will and resign ourselves to accepting and not just accepting, but looking for God's will. Because the idea of not doing something is only part of it. And we'll get on to the other part, which is that we accomplish our purpose. We feel fulfilled when we are pursuing God's will. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 says, Be careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there must be an investment. Not, it's not just what you aren't doing and stay away from. This, this whole thing of drunkenness is only one example of saying, look, if you give control over to something else, you're not going to be on task with what God's calling you to do. And in fact, that could be true of anything, of anything that becomes more important to us than, than what God would be saying to us in that moment. And so often the, God's will is not done through us because we have other focus, we have another focus other than, than what he would want. So the investment, there needs to be an investment in finding God's will, hearing God's voice, a change in our priorities. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. That's when life becomes fulfilling. You can't tell me that you all don't know what it feels like when you have reached out to somebody or you have touched somebody's life and they, and they say to you, you don't know what that, that, you'll never know what that means to me. Or, or you know, they'll, they'll give testimony or they'll break down and cry and say, I needed that just now. When, that, when you feel that experience, you are touching God. You're, you're entering into a relationship with God and that obedience is one that changes us in here. And also in Ephesians, when it talks about um, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. All of that is is the entering into what we did this morning in the songs that were sung, and there were some powerful words in the songs. I hope you, when you sing songs uh, or are following along with the words, that you actually listen for God's voice. What is he saying to a life application? Uh, otherwise, it's like disregarding whatever the coach says and whatever a teacher says and just doing it the way you want to or doing whatever you want to. So we have to change our priorities from what we want to what God wants. And that's really one of the tougher things that, that we can do, uh, that we're called to do. Uh, I want to refer to the, the question then of, so how do we know the will of God? And I'll just share with you these principles. Um, and this... I, I looked at a number of websites. Almost all of them have at least four or five of these basic, basic steps about how do we, because if we don't understand how to enter into God's will, it's hard to just say, oh, well, we're just kind of guessing as to what God's will is. Um, so these, these principles, uh, starting with surrendering your personal desires, and this is where most of us get stuck. We have lost the ability 
to distinguish between what we want and what God wants. And we live in a culture that is thriving on the lie that they're one and the same. And if you're going to, if you're going to seek to have a sense of peace with God, a fulfillment that you're doing God's purpose, the only way to do that is to be clear about the fact that God has a way that he calls us to and that we need to surrender what we want. It's not that what we want is always wrong. It's that it always needs to come into and under and beside and obedient to what God's will is. Um, think through why you feel more drawn to one particular option. Don't make the mistake that your own thoughts, desires, and plans are God's voice necessarily. And as we go through some of the other checkpoints here, you will, you will see that it's not just one of these, it's all of these in combination will give clarity to discerning what God's will is, whether that's in a particular situation, a specific decision you have, or even a broader direction. To really understand what God is saying to us, we have to be open to God guiding us in any direction. When our desire to follow God is outweighed by our desire, we will usually be taking a wrong turn. Don't ignore your emotions or your desires. That's not the point. But we deny those, as scripture says, to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's to say it's not that they don't weigh into it, but we are willing to turn away from that if that's what it means to be obedient. It's exactly what Jesus did in the garden before he was crucified, was making that decision. And so that surrendering of our personal desires to what God wants is the first principle. Second one is to meditate on God's word. Uh, this sounds good, but most of us read scripture like it's a duty. Like it's something, well, if you've, if you've read scripture um, for the you know, each day, and or let's say that you're reading through the Bible in a year. That's great. But how much are you reading it, and how much are you meditating on it? And I would just suggest to you, I, I really affirm, strongly support the Bible memory programs, because I think the Bible memory program actually is better than reading the scope of the whole Bible where you start to memorize and commit that word. Because when you commit God's word to memory, you will be in situations in life where those verses will come to your mind. God will cause that verse to come out and make an application in a way you may maybe never thought before. And so the, this whole understanding of meditating God's word is not just memorizing and it's not just reading a lot of it or reading it every day. It's meditating on it. Sometimes it's more helpful to read the same verse 10 times than it is to read 10 verses once. So meditating on it. So when we make a decision or we have a discernment that we need to make, it should line up with 
or at least not contradict what God has said through Scripture. That is the major guiding point for, for Scripture. Scripture is not random. It addresses real-life situations. You, you can see in Paul's struggle that he acknowledges he has he had some kind of an affliction. We don't know for sure what it was, but something bothered him constantly. And he basically even turned that affliction over to the Lord uh, and gave that up, that his goal wasn't to solve it, but to allow God to use it in whatever way that he would continue to seek God's will over whatever that particular issue was. God will never do something that is not in line with scriptures. Okay, understand that. God will not disagree with himself or act in an inconsistent way. It will be in alignment with scripture. Now that's, that's one, uh, again, a second principle of how we work at that discernment. A third one is to spend focused time in prayer and, and to really focus on listening for God's voice in it, listening for a word. God desires nothing more than for us to actually know his will. He wants us to know. He doesn't want us to be drifting around, being uncertain and, and, and constantly in fear. Notice when it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it is not referring to being afraid. Fear is being respectful and honoring God. And fear is recognizing that if I'm not seeking God's will, I'm probably going to find my own and go off the path and off the road into the ditch in one way or another. And so, so this whole idea of, uh, of listening to God's voice and turning to God in prayer and asking God what he wants you to do. So making decisions can cause and does cause a lot of anxiety and worry. There are people who suffer all kinds of anxiety uh, and, and physical effects as well as as emotional and mental effects from struggling with not knowing what's going to be coming. Um, but we can turn to God with all those fears, and, and God wants us to turn them over. Keith Davey was a former director of research and development for uh, what used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ, and it's now called CRU. And he said this, too often our most recent thought will dominate our thinking and have the most influence whether or not it merits that privilege. So whatever we're most recently thinking about, and, and commercial people design and develop commercials know this, to get you to have some phrase, some jingle, some, some note that, that captures you and go like, oh, that was, that was pretty funny, that was pretty cool. And when we're in the store ready to buy whatever that product was or some version of it, we will rem remember that jingle and suddenly it will just be there. I, it would be really fun to take time to have you share what, what some of your favorite advertisements were. You know, you may have some that come to mind um, thinking about, about what really got you and sold you. Right now, um, right now these Geico commercials are, are just obviously ridiculously effective. Uh, because they're they're putting those out. It's like seeming like every other one. In fact, one time I was, I okay, I, 
confession here. I'm a, I'm a channel flasher. I, I, I sit there and I click, 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 uh, mainly because I hate commercials, so I keep clicking. And so here comes the Geico commercial on. I could have quoted every line that was in there, and I'm like, nope, not doing it. Click. I go to another channel, and there's a Geico commercial on there. And I was like, you know, come on. Can I get away from the Geico commercials? They do it because it influences our thinking. It influences our choices, and it gets us hooked in to the whole idea that, that somehow we can't live without it. And it influences us and takes our focus away from hearing what God wants. A fourth principle is to seek other people's spiritual perspective and counsel. That could be a mentor. It could be a parent. could be a friend, a pastor, or a church leader. Uh, whoever that is, the closest people that you have who are people of faith, those are the people that we should be going to and saying, look, here's my dilemma, here's my decision, here's what I'm weighing, just help me reflect. Now, we may or may not choose what they, what they have to say, but listen for what they're saying and how it aligns with your reading of scripture, how it aligns with your prayer, how it aligns with what your sense of God's voice is in the other ways that we're listening as well. I just want to say also, it is amazing sometimes, and I'll share a story as we finish up uh, about this, but it's amazing sometimes how God will come and speak to someone in a way they ne they've never heard it before. I've heard that from, from some of those that have been in jail who said, I, was, I just did the repeat thing. I would, I would be back in and back in, and I didn't get it. And one day, with no prompting, I heard God say to me this. Pray for that to happen. Pray for God's voice to become clear. Audible, yes, sure, why not? But even more than that, internally, so much so that it grips us and says, I know what God desires for me. And I'm willing to, to hear that. And, and then... Just line that up with the counsel that you're getting from other people. Um, there are people that can give you some pretty bad counsel. Um, but again, if they're not in alignment with God, what would you expect? You're going to get their perspective or their opinion or their preferences. Or, or they think that they're caring for you by saying, Oh, no, you deserve this. No, you, this is your right to have this. You should definitely take care of yourself first. That does not align with scripture. So there's a, a clear principle of listening to others. But I'll tell you, those who you most respect and lean on spiritually are the ones that are going to give you words that help you to align with the words from scripture and from God directly as well. So talk to those people. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Have you ever heard that proverb before? It's one of saying, don't be an island. Don't think that you have the ability in and of yourself to make sense of everything. We need each other. 
We need community. And, and I just want to throw in this word. Uh, especially in the last year and a half, I understand it. But for the last 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, we're content to sit in our silos. We are so wealthy that we don't need to have other people come over for a meal. I'm not asking for an invitation. So, so look, I'm, I'm not begging for that. I'm just saying, where is our sense of community? That is being attacked for, ferociously in terms of, uh, of trying to pull us away and, and for us to be self-sufficient. We have all we need and we don't need to even exchange ideas. Oh, I'm not getting together with that guy because I know what that guy thinks and believes. And it's not compatible with what I believe. So, poof, there we go. Oh, in my Sunday school class or in my small group or in my neighborhood with the neighbors. I know what they think. Stay away. Don't even go there. Don't talk to them. Don't exchange ideas. This whole idea of community is being torn down and ripped apart. And we can't even gather for a meal. It was such an enjoyable experience to have our love feast last Sunday. Wasn't it? To be able to sit back at the table and say, the communion that we have in Christ, eating together, sharing together, uh, was more than the noodles and the, the peanut butter mix. It was more than that. I know some of you maybe don't see it that way, and so we may not be on the same page yet. But if you keep praying about the Amish peanut butter, somehow God will make it clear to you as well. God is calling us to these relationships that reinforce what God's doing in our lives. And so uh, we're called to seek each other out and lean on each other. And a fifth one is to consider our circumstances. Again, looking for the overall picture of what's in alignment. If, uh, if God has been working in a certain direction and you've had this reminder and then somebody said this and somebody said this and somebody said this and I've... I've had this happen on a few occasions. Um, before I uh, had surgery uh, to remove a tumor from my head, I ran into someone that, uh, that I knew, and they said, you know what? Um, I had the same surgery. And they referred me to a particular doctor. And then I had someone that I hadn't talked to in years who called me on the phone who was a doctor in the IU medical facility, the community there, and said, hey, I, you know, I, I heard about what you're dealing with, and they mentioned the same doctor. And there was this sense of confirmation. There was an alignment. There was... God was, was giving direction, and that's the doctor that I went with and wouldn't trade that doctor for, for anyone. He was fantastic uh, in, in 
in all kinds of ways, there was that leading. Line up and look around at your circumstances and, and, and assess what the context of it is as well. And listen for the Holy Spirit uh, to lead you through. And that's the, 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 the last one I'll mention is to think through your decision logically and commit it to the Lord's purpose and then act. So often we don't get to that action part of it. So in these six principles, try journaling them. Make notes. Read scripture. Ask people. Look at, get counsel. Make a list of, of all of the things, all of the messages you're hearing uh, regarding a direction or a decision. And see if they align with each other. But if you only pick one of these, and if you only decide to read one verse, well, that's it. That concludes it. No counsel from others, no prayer time, no counsel, uh, no uh, uh, praying together with other people about it. Um, you're probably going to be myopic and possibly miss it. So when we go through these principles, we're then eventually called to take action. Um, Philippians 2.13 says, once you discern God's will, the next step is actually to do what it says for, because verse 13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So whatever the outcome is, remember God's still in control. That's from Proverbs. In Proverbs 9, it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And in Proverbs 19.21, it says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And it just seems to go a lot better for us when what we're doing and how we're deciding is lining up with God's purpose. Um, Watchman Nee was the founder of the Little Flock House Church movement in China in the early 20th century. He once said that a person who prays not only comes closer to God, but also frequently enters into his will. <laughs> Interesting way of saying it. Imagine that when you pray consistently and earnestly, your thoughts start to tap into God's thoughts, making his will clearer to you. That's the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Because we know that the Holy Spirit will speak to us in a way that's consistent with all of these principles. There's a, there's a new pastor in Atlanta. Actually, he's been there now a while. By the name of Mason Betha. He recently celebrated his one-year anniversary pastoring a church of about 100. But Reverend Mason hasn't always been a pastor. He was formerly known as the rapper Mace, I believe was the way it was pronounced. The flashiest and most pleasure-driven performer on the Bad Boy record label. His transition from bad to good was rather abrupt. He didn't switch to gospel music or to gospel rap. He left the music industry entirely. He broke with friends and associates and gave away lots of possessions that shaped his persona. A, a Range Rover, a BMW, a Mercedes convertible, a diamond-encrusted Rolex worth more than most American homes. He also left a huge contract with Bad Boy Entertainment and Arista Records. There was no great emotional experience about it. It wasn't the great conversion thing. 
Mason says of his turnaround, I was just sitting in a hotel and decided I can't do this no more. People be looking for this big explanation, but when it's God's time, it's God's time. Just out of the blue. Isn't that amazing when God's love and God's reality breaks through to us in situations that we would least expect it? And so he wasn't at some rock bottom experience. He just heard the voice of God. It's time. It's time, Mason. And he made that change and he immediately, immediately listened to the voice of God. I hope that God speaks to you in all kinds of ways. I hope that you're open to and listen to because it is in true, it is fa a fact that God's kingdom will come and God's will will be done only through us as we are obedient to it and as we keep following it. And sometimes that decision, we don't know how it's going to turn out. And some of you have made decisions that haven't worked out so well in your life. And some of you have made decisions that were a disaster. Don't worry. The redemptive power of Christ on the cross will take us where we are and lead us to where God wants us to be. And we will grow and we will learn. And the redeeming power of Jesus Christ over the grave will redeem us for God's purpose again and again and again. May God's will be done through us as we trust and obey. Let's sing together. I invite you to stand as the worship team comes and leads us.